Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. Let's pray in the beginning. Father, thank you for the privilege and the joy of being able to do this today. I pray that you would touch the ears of the hearers, the hearts to receive. May our understanding be enlightened. Touch my lips of clay that I may speak as the pen of a ready writer under the anointing and unction of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, teach through me here tonight, we pray. Father, we give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13 says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Now, I chose this as our springboard scripture because it explains the Word of God working in our lives. Somebody say with me, the Word will work if you work the Word. And that's kind of the slogan, the Word will work if we work the Word, but it won't work if we don't work it. The Word of God can work in our lives. And so I want to just kind of break this Scripture down for just a little bit. And there's a lot of other Scriptures that we're in a lot of different directions we're going to be going with this as we learn how to work the Word of God in our life. First of all, he said that you received the Word of God which you heard of us, and you didn't receive it as from men, but you received it as from God. Did you know that God can speak through you? Did you know that He can speak through you and affect change in your heart and affect change in your life? God can speak through you and affect change in other people's life. What's that saying? One word from God can change your life forever? You believe that? It can. The Word of God can change our lives forever. So when we speak the Word of God, and we'll talk a little bit, there's more to it than confessing the Word, but we'll talk a little bit about this later. But when we speak the written Word of God, which is the Logos Word of God, we speak it out of our mouth, it gets into the atmosphere, and it gives God a chance to attach to it, and it becomes the Rhema Word of God or the God-breathed Word of God. It's like lifting the life of God off of written page and putting it into action in our lives. So when we work the Word of God, then what we're doing is we're speaking, we're becoming the mouthpiece of God, we're being, we're being the hands of Jesus, we're being, being the heart of Jesus, we're, we're, we're reaching out and ministering, trying to effect change. And so uh, the apostle said this to the, Thessala, to the church at Thessalonica, here's what he said. He said, you know what? He said, when we spoke to you, the divine oracles of God, when we spoke to you, you didn't receive it as from men, but you received it as from God. And the Bible says that it works also, now look at this, in you that believe. So the spoken, rhema, God-breathed, powerful, anointed, because holy men of God wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. That's what the Bible says. That word working inside of us can affect change. And if we receive it, it can work. Now, the Bible says here that they received the Word. Now, we have a choice to make. When the Word of God is spoken over us, when the Word of God is spoken through us, we have a choice. Either we receive the Word or we reject the Word. And the Bible said that when we receive the Word, that the Word will work in those 
Now here's the key, who believe. So working the word is connected to faith. Working the word is connected to faith. So when we say it like that, then here's what we have to say. The Bible said in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, the Bible said that by his stripes you were healed. Now you can confess that all day long, but if you never believe it, it's not going to do anything. You can say, no weapon that's formed against me will prosper, and every tongue that rises against me in judgment you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. I can confess that all day long, but if I don't believe it, it doesn't, it's not going to work for me. So there's a whole lot of people, they say, well, I tried it, I tried it, I just spoke the word, I did this and I did that. Well, the problem is, is they're speaking something that they don't believe. You have to believe it in order for it to work. Why? Because God responds to faith. How many times have I told you, God doesn't respond to need, God responds to faith. It's the prayer of faith that moves God. It's the prayer of agreement that gets God's attention. So when we pray in agreement with the Word of God, Scripture, we pray what the Word of God says, then what we're doing is we are working the Word of God, giving it an opportunity to go to work in our life. Now, in John chapter 1, in fact, let's just go over there for just a few moments. In John chapter 1, here's what the Bible says. In the beginning was the Word. Right in the very beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Bible teaches us that the Word is God. So when we talk about the Word of God working, then we're talking about God working in our lives. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 through 11, here's what the Bible says. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven... And returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Look at verse number 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. The spoken word of God, according to this scripture, says that God's word will not return void. So when I speak the divine oracles of God that were given to holy men of God as they wrote by the Holy Ghost, when I speak the word of God, then I'm speaking God's word. And as I speak God's word, I have the promise that his word will not return void if I believe it. I have the promise that God's word will not return void, and I have the promise that it will accomplish that which pleases God. Now, some people have a little problem with that. They think, well, I wanted to do this, and I wanted to do that. Well, let me tell you something. When you get God doing what He wants to, when you get, when you get Him accomplishing things that please Him, His thoughts towards us are good. They're not evil. 
The Bible said that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and God delights in His way. And so when I walk step in step with God, when I live by faith, when I watch the confessions of my mouth and I speak the Word of God over my circumstances and over the challenges that I face every single day of my life and I work the Word of God every single day of my life, then what I'm doing is I'm releasing God to accomplish that which pleases Him, not just in the earth, but in my life as it concerns me. The Bible said that his thoughts are good toward us continually. Towards us continually. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, God's on my side. Come on, tell somebody else, say, God's got my back. You say, you say Pastor, why do you do this all the time? Because I'm an audience participation preacher, that's why. We got to speak the Word of God. Got to speak the Word of God. And then here's what it says, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. So in other words, God's not going to just beat the air with words. God's going to speak things that can affect change. God's going to speak things that can work on our behalf. God's going to speak things that can work in our, in our favor over our life. Now with this understanding... Uh, I put this down here. Let's, let's just say it like this. The Word of God governs our life. It's the governor of our life. What govern means to exercise continuous sovereign authority over. When I live surrendered to God, then what I'm saying is, okay, I'm going to just cash in all my chips and I'm going to just put them all on God. I'm going to say, okay, Lord, this word right here is the governing spiritual authority in my life. What it says to do, I will do. What it says not to do, I will not do. I will take the Word of God. I will put it inside of me. David said it like this. He said, Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. It's the Word of God. And so we go on, govern to exercise continuous sovereign authority over, especially to control and direct the making and administration of Policy. What would it be like if God was the administrator of your life? What, it would, what would it be like if we just said, Okay, God, I'm done trying to do it my way. I'm done trying to do it my way. God, I want you to take that place in my life. I want you to be the governing authority of my life. I want the Word of God to be the governing authority of my life. And I want you to be the administrator of my life. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. The mind governed... By the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So when we see this, that the mind governed by the flesh is death, why is the mind governed by the flesh death? Because the moment you are born, you begin to die. You're born in flesh, right? The moment you are born, you begin to die. Oh, you might grow, but you begin to die. And then, but it says, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Peace is nothing missing and nothing broken. So I choose to allow the Word of God to work in my heart and to allow the Word of God to work in my life because I want my life to be governed by the Spirit of God which produces life and peace in my life. 
Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12 talks to us about the Word of God. It says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit. Now let me stop right there for just a few moments, okay? We know that the soul is the seat of the mind and the will and the emotions, right? That's what the soul is. The soul is the seat of the mind and the will and the emotions. The Bible said that the Word of God can divide the spirit from the mind and the will and the emotions. If we don't have the Word of God, then our spirit gets messed up by our mind and our spirit gets messed up by our will and our spirit gets messed up by our emotions. God lives in the spirit of man. That's where He lives. That's where He sets up residence. He lives in the spirit of man. And He responds. It's our spirit. It's our spirit that engages in communion with God. Our soul tries to through our mind, through our will, and our emotions. But what happens in our spirit is what spills over into our emotions and what spills over into our soul. That's why I tell people, it's okay. You can come to church on Sunday and you can shout all day long and then go out and live like the devil on Monday. There's a lot of people that do it. I've seen it when I was growing up all of the time. They would do that. They would shout and dance and worship and praise God and act all spiritual on Sunday. But Monday roll around, if you was around the corner, you might hear them cuss a big old blue streak. What's, what was going on there? How come, how come that was happening? It's because they were, they were just engaged in emotional worship rather than spiritual worship. Now when the Spirit of God begins to get fed, when your spirit starts to really get fed, it's going to create some sort of an emotional outburst inside of you and it'll feed into your soul. Where the problem lies is when we allow the soul to take precedent over the spirit. And the Bible said the Word of God can help with that. It's a sharp two-edged sword. It divides between the soul and the spirit, divides them asunder. And then the Bible says of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner and the thoughts of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. If you don't believe that, just read the Bible. Just sit down and start reading the Bible. What will happen? You'll sit down, you'll start reading the Bible, and all of a sudden you'll think, oh, my goodness, I didn't even see that there. And there'll be something kind of prick inside of you. What's going on? It's the Word of God that's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, dividing between the soul and the spirit, dividing asunder in the joints and the mark, and it begins to help your discerner get turned on, the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So we let God govern our lives by the Word of God. And we allow Him to separate our soul from our spirit, and we allow our spirit to become fed, which can then affect our mind and our will and our emotions positively towards God. Where we get in trouble is when we say, okay, you know what? I've already got the Word of God hidden inside of my heart. I really don't need to read today. I really don't. And before you know it, then you don't need to read tomorrow, and then you don't need to read the next day. And you know what, I'll just sit down here and, and, and watch some television or listen to some CDs or DVDs and there's never any word going and things like that. And, and what happens is we get in trouble and we start feeding our soul and our soul gets more powerful than our spirit and we open ourselves up to offense and we open ourselves up to bitterness and we open ourselves up to anger and we open ourselves up to the works of the flesh and then we wonder why in the world did I fail? Well, the reason you failed was because you got away from the Word of God. The Word will work if you work the Word, but you have to give it a chance to work inside of you. you got to get it in you in order for it to work. 
2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says this. It says, Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. This was Paul writing to Timothy, wherein I suffer trouble. So what Paul was telling Timothy was this. He said, Timothy, I've preached and taught that Jesus resurrected from the dead, and I've suffered for that. I've suffered for it. He said, I've even suffered as an evildoer. People look at me like I'm preaching something evil, like I'm teaching something evil, even unto bonds. In other words, I've been taken and thrown into prison for this gospel, for the gospel that Jesus resurrected unto, that Jesus resurrected unto life, that he came up out of the grave. But look what he says. But the word of God is not bound. So what he was telling Timothy is it don't matter what they do to you. The Word of God that's inside of you is free. The Word of God that's inside of you is not bound. This tells me that the Word of God is not restrictive. Hello. It tells me that the Word of God is not restrictive. It doesn't mean that, that we don't have principles that we're supposed to live by according to the Word of God. I mean, the Bible teaches us that we're supposed to live holy and upright before the Lord. And the Bible teaches us that we're not supposed to make the cross of Christ of none, uh, of none effect and bring Him to an open shame. The Bible teaches us that. But the Bible teaches us that the Word of God is not bound. And so when you pray Scripture and you pray the Word of God, the Word of God is not bound by the circumstance that you're facing. The Word of God is not bound by the doctor's report. The Word of God is not bound by the banker's report. The Word of God is not bound by the challenges that are in your life. The Word of God is free, and it'll set you free. The Word of God will set you free. You and I, if, if we want to be set free, then what we have to do is we have to say, Okay, Lord, I'm going to get, the word, I'm going to get so full of the Word of God that it'll eventually just set me free. If you want to experience freedom, if you want to experience joy, if you want to experience the joy of the Lord that surpasses and the peace of God that passes, surpasses all understanding and God's joy that gives you strength, then you just got to get full of the Word of God. Some people talk to me, I've talked to people about addictions in the past and I've told them, I said, just get so full of God that it just drives it out. You can, you can change your addiction. You can, Paul said that he was addicted to the gospel. He was addicted to the ministry. He was addicted to the work of the Lord, addicted to the anointing, addicted to the move of God. The only limitations that the Word of God has are the ones that the Word of God places on itself. What do you mean by that? God's a God of covenant. And God's not going to cross covenant no matter how bad He wants to bless you. God's not going to cross covenant if you don't hold up your part of covenant. God's not going to make an exception for anyone. And so the restrictions that we find in the Word of God are the restrictions that the Word places on itself through covenant. Now Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 35 says this, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The Word of God will stand forever. So when I work the Word, when I speak out the Word of God and I work the Word of God, I'm working something that's not going to be here today and gone tomorrow. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the Bible said God's Word stands forever. 
So I don't have to worry about the Word of God fading away. I don't have to worry about the Word of God going out the door. I don't have to worry about it no longer working, just waking up one day and all of a sudden the Word of God is not working anymore. I don't have to worry about that because the Word of God will stand forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's Word will stand forever. You know what that tells me? That tells me today I'm saved by grace. Tomorrow I'll be saved by grace through the blood of Jesus. The next day I'll be saved by grace through the blood of Jesus. Ten years from now I'm saved by grace through the blood of Jesus. A thousand years from now I'm saved, healed, delivered, set free by the blood of Jesus, by the Word of God. That's what the Bible teaches me. That's what the Bible tells me. And so I receive that. I receive that. And I'm going to let that truth work inside of me and bring about the joy that comes along with that. Amen. The Word will work if you work the Word. Working the Word. Let's talk a little bit about working the Word. So how, so how can we work the Word if we don't know it? In order to work the Word, we have to learn it, right? We got to learn it. How can we work something that we do not know? There's too many people today trying to work a Word that they don't know. Now let me say this right here kind of in the beginning of this little section of this teaching. There's a lot of people that are working contaminated word. In other words, they're working something that's not the word of God. They're working something that someone is teaching, something that someone is preaching that doesn't line up with the word of God. Here's what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that we are supposed to discern. We're supposed to be discerners. We're supposed to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us in discernment. And so we have to learn the Word in order to work it. Now the Bible teaches us that Jesus will be our teacher and that the Holy Spirit can teach us and lead us and guide us into all truth. In fact, the Bible said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I've taught it here at Lakewood several times, but we've got some people that are watching today, and I want to teach it so they can understand it. When Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, when he said that, a yoke was known as the rabbinical teaching of the rabbi. Jesus was a fifth-level rabbi. In other words, he was a teacher of the law. And so when he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, what he was saying was, take the teachings that I teach you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy or my teachings are easy and my burden is light. It's not going to be hard for you to understand this. That's what he's saying. It's not going to be hard for you to understand this. I'm going to teach you things that will be easy to be understood. The Apostle Paul made this statement. He said this, he said, Woe be unto me if I venture away, and this is my interpretation, but if I venture away from the simplicity of the gospel that we have in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on and he says, uh, in another place, he said, Woe be unto me if I or an angel from heaven come and teach any other doctrine unto you or any other gospel unto you. Understanding how to live for God is not difficult. It's not hard. 
There's so many people today, they say, well, I want to get into the deep things of God. Deep calls unto deep. And I just want to do the deeper things. I, I want to go somewhere where I can just be fed. I want to, you know, there's a whole lot of people, they say, well, I'm just not fed. Well, you know something, if, if you're, the Bible said, newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. And there's a whole lot of people that just want to skip over that part. They, I mean, they, they, they want to just go right straight to the stake. And then when they can't, digest it, then there's a problem, right? There's a problem. So it's important for us to allow God to grow us from where we are. Now, I've learned this too through the years, and I've seen it, I've witnessed it, I've had to deal with it for over 40 years. There's a whole lot of people that think they're mature in God when in reality they're nothing but a spiritual juvenile. There's different stages in growth. What's a spiritual juvenile? Well, if I don't get it my way, I'll just go down the road. See ya. When you get down the road, you're going to have to grow there too. It's like one guy said, he said, so many people think the grass is greener on the other side of the fence and they get over there, they find out they have to mow it over there too. We just got to grow in God. We got to say, Lord, I'm not satisfied with where I am. I'm not satisfied with just the milk of the word. Lord, I want to grow in you. And the only way that we can grow in God in order to get the Word of God working in our life is by learning the Word. We have to submit ourselves to the teaching of the Word of God. The teaching of the Word of God can crank up your spirit. Preaching is fun. It's fun. People shouting and dancing in the aisles and all of that, that's fun and that's great and that's wonderful. But if, you're, but if you are connected to a ministry that all they do is the hoopla, then your spiritual walk with God is going to be about that broad and about that deep. What are you going to do when the storm hits on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday? You can't live tomorrow on yesterday's shout. You've got to have some word. You need to be taught the word of God and let the word of God grow you. Let the Word of God grow you out of infanthood through your juvenile years. There's so many people, they get hung up in their spiritual juvenile years. It's those that are mature in the Lord that produce effective things for God. And we've got to connect and we've got to say, okay, God, I'm just going to grow through this. And how do you know? How do you know when you're in a season like that? If you're easily offended, you're a spiritual juvenile. Well, I can't believe you just said that. See what I mean? You see what I mean? You see what I mean? So it's important for us. It's important for us to allow God to grow us in Him. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number four, Jesus. TV. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.